Hello everyone and welcome to the August 15th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The California Supreme Court has issued its opinion in the Duncan case which defines when the calculation for a cost of living adjustment must start. Amendments to the Labor Code that took effect in 2004 require that benefits for life pensions or total disability awards be adjusted for increases in the cost of living. There's been a dispute in implementing this new law. It was unclear if the COLA is to be calculated starting on the date of injury or on the permanent and stationary date or even later when the first life pension payment begins. The Court of Appeal in the underlying case of John Duncan versus WCAB ruled that the cost of living adjustments start on January 1st, 2004 and every January 1st thereafter. This was the worst of all outcomes for employers in terms of costs. The California Supreme Court has reversed the Court of Appeal and clarified the law. The Duncan case has now been renamed Baker versus WCAB now that Christine Baker has replaced John Duncan as DWC Administrative Director. The Supreme Court reversed, indicating that the Court of Appeals rationale is implausible for several reasons. Calculating and applying coal is retroactively to the arbitrary fixed date of January 1, 2004 in every case ignores the requirement that the disabled worker must first become entitled to receive a life pension or total permanent disability indemnity. The Supreme Court noted the legislative intent behind the COLA statute. It noted that the Workers' Compensation Insurance Bureau prepared a cost analysis report for the legislature. The financial analysis assumed annual increases would commence the year following the year in which permanent total benefit payments began. The court reasoned that at the very least this legislative history reflects that the legislature had before it the assumption that the annual COLAs would, per the bill's language, be applied prospectively once the injured worker's total permanent disability payments commenced. The Supreme Court concluded that the COLA must be calculated and applied prospectively commencing on the January 1st following the date on which the injured worker first becomes entitled to receive and actually begins receiving such benefit payments. This would mean the permanent and stationary date in the case of total permanent disability benefits and the date on which parcel permanent disability benefits become exhausted in the case of life pension payments. This conclusion is in favor of the employer and is the most conservative of possible outcomes of the COLA case dispute. The Court of Appeal ruled that a fake Social Security card bars an injured worker's discrimination claim. Here's what happened in the published opinion of Vincente Salas versus Sierra Chemical Company. In May 2003, Sierra Chemical hired Salas to work on its production line as one of a number of seasonal production workers. He provided the company with a resident alien card and a social security card and also printed his social security number on his employment application and signed the application, verifying the truth of the information. He was seasonally laid off until December 2005 when he accrued enough seniority to avoid being laid off that year. In March 2006, Salas injured his back at work, was treated, and returned to work. 
However, in August 2006, he again injured his back and filed a claim with the State Compensation Insurance Fund. In December, Salas was again laid off as part of Sierra Chemicals' annual reduction in production line staff. He was recalled to work in May of 2007 with others who were laid off and asked to bring a medical release when he returned. He claimed he was told he could not return unless he was fully recovered, a claim the employer disputed. Thus, he filed a civil action against the employer for disability discrimination. Salas advised the trial court that he would assert his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination in response to any questions concerning his immigration status. Sierra Chemical then discovered that the Social Security number used by Salas to secure employment with the company belonged to another man in North Carolina. The opinion noted that the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986 prohibits aliens from using or attempting to use any document lawfully issued to or with respect to a person other than the possessor for purposes of obtaining employment in the United States. The Court of Appeals sustained a summary judgment in favor of the employer, stating that the facts of this case would entitle Sierra Chemical to judgment as a matter of law based on the complete defense of the after-acquired evidence doctrine. Salas misrepresented a job qualification imposed by the federal government of possessing a valid Social Security number that does not belong to someone else. Thus, he was not lawfully qualified for the job. This ruling was not precluded by Senate Bill Number 1818, passed by the California legislature in 2002, which makes explicit California's pre-existing public policy with regard to the irrelevance of immigration status in enforcement of state labor, employment, civil rights, and employee housing laws. The court reasoned that since SB 1818 was a reaffirmation of pre-existing California law, Salas would have no remedy before SB 1818 and thus should not have one afterward. Experts are attempting to sort out the impact of the new Olgavy decision about the rating formula. While the industry at first feared the impact of the Olgavy case, now, experts are saying the impact may be neutral or even positive for the defense industry. Mark Webb, Assistant General Counsel at Pacific Compensation Insurance Company, believes that the decision is going to have a beneficial effect for employers. Mark Gearhart, the counsel for the worker, said that the decision moves us forward to more certainty. Both Webb and Gearhart said that there have been some large awards in permanent disability cases while the system has been operating under the interim standards, and in some ways, those awards rendered moot the concerns that Olgavy would open a Pandora's box of huge awards. They both said that the most recent decision, while it holds what happened in Olgavy, actually clarifies the situation somewhat and makes very large awards a bit less likely. Donald Barthel, a Sacramento attorney, said that in some ways the decision makes things easier and in some ways it complicates matters and together that is a wash. Barthel said that the Olgavy decision opens the way for an update and revision of the disability rating schedule. By law, the schedule is supposed to be updated every five years. The update was supposed to be done 20 months ago. It was held off while Olgavy was being decided. 
And in regulatory news, the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board has proposed to amend to its rules of practice and procedure relating to lien claims. Proposed new rules would create a procedure by which a lien claim may be dismissed for lack of prosecution after the lien claimant has been given notice and an opportunity to be heard. Proposed amendments would also change the filing requirements but not the service requirements for lien claims. The proposed new rules require that when a declaration of readiness to proceed is filed on a lien dispute, the lien claimant or party filing the DOR must designate that they are requesting a lien conference and cause a lien conference to be treated like a mandatory settlement conference so that a pretrial conference statement must be prepared and discovery will close. A public hearing has been scheduled for September 8th to permit all interested parties an opportunity to present statements or arguments on the WCAB's proposed rule changes. However, prior to the public hearing, any person may submit written comments. Please consult the DWC website for further information. The DWC Administrative Director Rosa Moran has selected Richard L. Newman as Acting Chief Judge beginning September 6th. Chief Judge Newman will work closely with the Administrative Director, the Regional Managers, and Presiding Judges to oversee the workflow of Workers' Compensation Administrative Law Judges at all the local Workers' Compensation Appeals Board offices. He will establish and monitor procedures for effective calendar management. He will participate in the planning and implementation of policies, budgets, staffing, and other operational activities. And he will be responsible for bringing instances of exception to uniform interpretation and application of laws and policies to the attention of the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board, among other duties. Newman received his Bachelor of Science degree from Antioch College in 1974 and his law degree from the University of California Hastings College of Law in 1981. Newman was a partner with Jewell and Leary in Oakland and worked as trial counsel for the U.S. Department of Labor Office of the Solicitor. Newman served as the presiding judge in San Francisco since 2009 and was a workers' compensation administrative law judge for 14 years. Newman also served as lead counsel to the administrative director from 1991 to 1995. And now our fraud report. A 65-year-old doctor was convicted of performing unnecessary and dangerous surgeries on more than 160 people in a $154 million medical insurance scam. Patients were lured by promises of cash or low-cost cosmetic surgeries. Dr. Michael Chan of Cerritos, one of 19 defendants in the case, pleaded guilty in Orange County Superior Court to 40 felony counts, including conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. He faces up to 28 years in state prison. Nearly 3,000 people across the U.S. allegedly agreed to undergo unnecessary procedures such as sweaty palm surgeries and colonoscopies at the Unity Outpatient Surgery Center in Buena Park. Recruiters known as cappers targeted patients in 39 states. Patients typically received between $300 and $1 thousand dollars per surgery and were allegedly coached on how to describe their symptoms by the cappers who then scheduled their surgeries, assisted them with paperwork, and arranged their travel. Chan and his colleagues were accused of ignoring basic medical protocols such as failing to obtain medical information, 
not meeting with patients beforehand, and neglecting to follow up. Nine defendants pleaded guilty so far and have been sentenced, including one physician who was sentenced to 16 years in state prison. The remaining nine are scheduled to appear for a pretrial hearing at the Central Justice Center in Santa Ana. In addition to doctors and cappers, the defendants include an attorney, an accountant, and administrators. A Los Angeles durable medical equipment supplier has been convicted in a $14 million fraud scheme. A federal jury found Christopher Iruk, his wife, and an employee guilty of health care fraud and conspiracy to commit fraud in a scheme that involved more than $14 million in illegitimate claims for durable medical equipment. Authorities said Iruk and Associates often supplied power wheelchairs to Medicare patients, perfectly capable of walking on their own, including one who did jumping jacks to show agents he never needed one and two of the people who were supplied equipment were deceased at the time. Iruk's attorney said that it was marketers and clinic operators who were responsible for the phony prescriptions and that his client was fooled into believing he was conducting legitimate business. Prosecutors, however, told jurors in the two-week trial that Iruk's systematic destruction of documents by shredding them just before he was arrested showed he knew his business was illegal. The jury agreed with the prosecutor. After purchasing wheelchairs at about $900 wholesale and paying for the prescriptions, he pocketed the remainder of about $6,000 in taxpayer money. Iruk's companies filed for $14.2 million in claims and received about $6.6 million in reimbursements. The money funded a lavish lifestyle including several luxury cars, international travel, and about half a million dollars of remodeling on his Baldwin Hills home. The three defendants are scheduled to be sentenced in November. And in other news, Republic Indemnity Company of America, a wholly owned subsidiary of Great American Insurance, has hired Alan Goodwin as Senior Vice President of California Operations. Goodwin joins Republic from Advantage Workers' Compensation Insurance Company, where he recently held the title of Vice President of Underwriting and Insurance Operations. He brings more than 20 years of underwriting and management experience to Republic. Goodwin holds a Master of Business Administration degree from the University of Utah and also a Bachelor of Science in International Business Finance from BYU. Republic was founded in 1945 and is a subsidiary of American Financial Group and a member of Great American Insurance Group. They are headquartered in Encino, California. The company specializes in workers' compensation insurance throughout the western United States. Fitch Ratings has reviewed the credit profile on approximately $611 million of workers' compensation relief bonds used by SEGA and affirmed the rating at AA. The outstanding bonds were issued in 2004 with proceeds used by SEGA to pay claims on insolvent insurers. A second bond issuance planned for 2006 was never undertaken. The remaining bond authorization which was intended to expire in 2006, has periodically been renewed by the state legislature and currently extends through 2012. Although additional authorization for borrowing exists, no new bonds are expected. 
The bonds are secured by a first lien on a mandatory and unlimited special benefit assessment, or SBA, charged to all insurers writing workers' compensation policies in California. SEGA sets the SBA rate annually at a level projected to cover expected debt service by 1.1 times the amount required. If insufficient, supplemental SBAs may be levied as necessary to ensure coverage. The minimum levy is 1% of net direct premium. By statute, SEGA may use other resources, including its regular assessment, to pay bonds, but these funds are not pledged. Moreover, if an insurer's payment is insufficient, amounts received are statutorily applied first to cover the SBA levy. Residual SBA revenues are held by the trustee and available for early bond repayment. A debt service is reserved and is also funded at maximum annual debt service. Interest on the auction rate bonds is calculated on a weekly basis linked to one of two short-term reference rates. So that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your iPod by searching for the Work Comp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. And please drop by again next week for more news.